We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, Crossroads. Good to see everybody this morning. Good to see you. Welcome online. Glad that you guys are joining us middle of the week. Just so glad you're with us. And listen, if you're first time here, thanks for you and your family joining us here today. Just a real honor to be able to spend some time with you. You need to know that our mission here at Crossroads, very simply, we want to allow people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. That's our whole mission. Anything that we can do to help you along that way, that's, that's what we're here for. Um, and, and it's Christmas time. And so Christmas time for me is exciting. I love Christmas time. But it also means that every now and again, I get a special present from some people. And today was kind of one of those special present days for me. It was epic. And I'm walking through the lobby and they're like, hey, Merry Christmas. And I'm like, thank you. They said, open it. I said, okay. And so I open it. And when I open it, ladies and gentlemen, I got this amazing, amazing, amazing um, shirt that just is amazing, isn't it? Um, we asked them to leave the church. It's okay, but uh, no, 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 no. Thank you for this. This will be great. It's a meowrific. Um, yeah, so I'm going to hand this off to my ma'am. Here we go. Um, but listen, Christmas is also a time for some pretty cool things like Christmas Eve services, and they're coming. Woo! So excited, and they're coming next week. It's <laughs> so fast. So we want to make sure that you guys knew when those services are going to be Thursday, December 19th, 7 p.m., Sunday the 22nd at 9, 11, and 12.30. Again, notice this. You are 11 o'clock people. Notice this. Okay, there's a difference. Uh, Tuesday, December 24th, 1 and 3, 3 p.m. And then we also have our candlelight services, okay? These are all the same services. Candlelight are different services, but you're not going to want to miss those either. Uh, we have a special guest. Taylor McAllister is going to be here. Just some real fun that's going to be there. Bring the kids and their PJs. No kids ministry or anything like that. Just bring them. We have a good time and it's a way to usher in Christmas that way. But I know what you're wondering. You're wondering, hey, I sure would still love to, to volunteer. Am I too late? No, you're not. In fact, um, we need some more help from you guys. We need you to step up and be part of our tag teams. The way that you can do that is simply go online. You can register at crossroadsgrace.org slash serve Christmas Eve. And uh, here are our needs right now. We need help in our kids' city area at 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock, those services. But then we also need assistance with our first impressions ministry at the 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve and the 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And so I would love for you guys to do that. Join our tag team. Make a first impression like none other for those people that are coming in for the first time. We want you to be a part of that. And also it helps you grow in your faith to be a part of something and serve. It's so, so important. One other thing to remember, December 26th, that's a Thursday, there will be no church on December 26th. So if you come here, let me know how service was, because we, we ain't going to be here, okay? So December 26th, no church service is going to happen there. But what I really want to do, in all seriousness, I just want to pray for these services and pray for Christmas as a whole. I just think God's going to do some crazy stuff, not only here, but around our city and in our community and also in the world. So let's just push pause, we'll pray, and we'll get moving in just a second. God, we, um, we just love you. And we love the fact that you have, have, have allowed Christmas to be one of these like great moments where people will come to a church, maybe the only time of the year, uh, for whatever reason. And we want to take advantage of that, Father. And we want people to come and be able to hear about your love for them through Jesus. 
And uh, Christmas is such a beautiful time because it's the, really the time of the year where everybody talks about Jesus, even if they don't know, as they say, Christ must. Father, I just pray that you would do some uh, amazing things this Christmas, both here at Crossroads, but then around our city, around our country. God, that there would just be a, such a desire to know who Jesus is that the churches can't hold all the people. And God, I thank you for this. I thank you that you've called us to this time and this place. I pray for the people that we're thinking of inviting. God, that you would lay those people on our hearts and we'd have the boldness to invite them. And God, would you just uh, make, make the fire marshal nervous how many people would come. And God, we pray that that would be glorifying to you because it's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, speaking of invites, don't forget you can grab some more of these in your way out. Candy canes with the invites on them. Uh, just make sure those are all gone. No sense of keeping them after today. We want to make sure everybody has them. Guys, week two of our series called Mary's Christmas. That's what we're in the middle of right now. And, and what we did is that we wanted to, to, to kind of unpack a familiar story in a brand new way by looking through the lenses of one of the characters, and that's Mary. We'll be in two different spots in the Bible today, but the very same book of the Bible. So if you have your Bibles with you, Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to land at. So if you want to find those now, or the Crossroads Grace app is a great place to, to dive into. We have all those scriptures already there for you. Like I said, we want to look at this familiar Christmas story that we oftentimes go through the motions of around Christmas. We're like, yeah, 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 Mary, Joseph, all that, we get it, we get it, we get it. But instead of just kind of going through the motions, we said, let's just push pause and think of it through Mary's eyes. Last week, I had so many people come up to me and say, gosh, I just love thinking about how we take for granted how young this young girl was, 12 to 14 years old. And somebody else said, I, I couldn't believe all the big decisions that she had to make in that moment. And, and you're right, such big decisions. Another person said, I can't believe how strong she was. And I totally agree with all those. If you missed that message, go back and take a look at that on the app or on the, on the website. We want to make sure you catch up. But what I hope that we all understand is that as we look at Mary's life, that we don't just look at it as, man, that was a really strong girl. I really hope that we see it a little bit deeper than that. And that we see this young girl with faith that would topple all of ours put together. That she was so faithful that she was able to do what God had called her to do. Because where we left off with Mary last time was that the angel Gabriel had just come with these, this, this big news... The angel had said, hey, you're going to become pregnant, but you're still going to be a virgin. Um, you are going to give birth to the Son of God. You've got to name him Jesus. Oh, and by the way, the Holy Spirit's going to be in the middle of all this and will overshadow you through the whole process. Guys, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. And on top of that, she said yes to that. She says, I, will be, I am God's servant. I will do what he has called me to do. That's nuts for this young girl. Because now you have this little girl named Mary, a junior high age girl that is pregnant with Jesus. And I don't know about you, for the most part, I don't know if there's anything more exciting than when people announce that they're pregnant and you get all excited about that, you know? Now, I, I, I have to do that with sensitivity. I, I totally understand it because I know there's a lot of people out there and my wife and I were some of those that desperately would want to be pregnant. And for whatever reason, God hasn't answered that prayer for you. And you see people just bump into each other on the elevator and they become pregnant and you're like, what in the world? Like, I want to be, that's what I want. And so I totally understand how this would be a difficult time when you kind of talk about this. And I pray that God would answer that prayer and his timing, but, and, and my heart breaks for you in those moments. But I know that when Cherie and I eventually became pregnant, you know, it was, it was amazing. When we found out we were going to be, uh, we were going to have Aniston, our, our daughter. I mean, we thought we won the lottery, bought a house, and rode a Black Panther all at the same time. It was just like, woo right? There's excitement. There's nerves. There's fear. 
You want to tell your family, you want to tell your friends, and of course, you want to tell the world because it ain't official until it's Facebook official. That doesn't count, you know. It does not count. And until the last few decades, that excitement, that anticipation, it would last all the way up until the baby was born. Because back then, you, didn't, you weren't able to find out the gender of the child until that came out. Like, that was the only way that you knew what the gender of the child is. However, nowadays, we have taken the announcing of the baby's gender to epic proportions, haven't we? We have this new thing. It's called gender reveal parties. Like, when you bring, like, a rhinoceros in and you shove paint in his nose and tickle him, he goes, and then you know, like, what the baby's going to be, you know? So here's what I thought. I thought it would be fun to do a gender reveal today. Y'all want a gender reveal today, okay? All right, so we've got uh, Angela and Austin and little Allie. Where are you guys at? I'm going to have you guys come on up over here. They do know that we're doing this. It's not like some surprise, you know, like, surprise. Okay, so come on up, guys. Come on up. Angela sings on our worship team. And, uh, yeah, you can clap for them. That's all good. Come on up. All right. I'm going to have you come over here. Don't fall off the stage. Hi, pretty girl. How are you? It's good to see you. Get over here. Give me a squeeze. It's so good to see you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Come on, this side of the table. Now, here's the deal. Y- y'all already know, right? Y- y'all already know. But your parents, everybody, they don't know, right? So this is a total surprise. So we're all, we're all ready. They brought in bags with different colored clothes and stuff like that. They're all set. Okay? So super cool. So here's what we're going to do. Inside the balloon is a color... And then when they pop it, we're all going to know, and y'all are going to know. Okay, so who's going to do the popping? Who's popping? You want to pop it? Okay, all right, here we go. All right, on the count of three, everybody's going to help me, okay? Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. (laughs) What do you think? What's it going to be? A girl! It's going to be a girl! Good job! So there you go. Get the pink out. All right. Hey, congratulations. That's so great. Thanks for being a good sport. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. All right. Here, do you want to take this souvenir? Okay. There you go. Okay. All right. Say goodbye. Yeah. Show stealer. Get off my stage. All right. So that went really great, but it doesn't always go great. Take a look. Oh, man, strike out. Oh, not her. Oh, no. So fortunately, that didn't happen to y'all, you know. Like, what I thought was hilarious about that, what was that guy going to do if he hops the fence? You're really going to go get that balloon, man, you know. And then the other part that I love is that that dude clearly had a back injury after he fell off the fence, and the other guy just laughing at him, you know, just laughing, you know. But this gender reveal, like, it's just so exciting for us now. Did you know that Mary didn't have the luxury of a gender reveal party back then? And neither did her relative Elizabeth. God kind of kind of ruined the whole surprise. He says, hey... Both are having boys. And I, I kind of hope that Gabriel, when he told the ladies, kind of edged it with a little bit like, surprise, like something like that. I don't have anything in the Bible that tells me that. I'm just hoping that that's what Gabriel would have done. 
But regardless of, of taking some of the surprise out, that the celebration of being pregnant was not lost on these two ladies. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39, let's pick up there. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So, so one day, uh, Mary decides to come over and play Bunko and bring some Panera over to hang out with her cousin Elizabeth. You know, but this was no ordinary visit. Because no sooner had Mary come in the door and put the Panera on the counter and did the Mrs. Doubtfire, hello, to Elizabeth, that something crazy, amazing happened. Take a look at verse 41. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is an epic moment if you really think about it. The baby Inside Elizabeth, who we would later know as John the Baptist, it said he, he leaped, he leapt inside her. That's crazy. Because have you ever seen like a baby move inside a mama? Like a, like a scene out of Aliens, like a, you know, like an elbow coming up and a foot. And you're like, what is happening? You know, they do all kinds of crazy tricks in there. I remember when I was in the business world and I ran medically-based fitness centers, uh, we ran what was called an indoor triathlon. Indoor triathlon is basically a swim, a bike, and a run all inside because we lived in Illinois and you didn't want to die of fro being frozen if you went outside. So we did it inside. And so uh, one of my trainers came up to me one day and said, hey, I want to be part of that indoor triathlon that you're doing. Uh, and she, by the way, she was eight months pregnant. Uh, so I said... Um, yeah, I don't think you should do the, the, the indoor triathlon. And she says, I'm doing the triathlon, right? Have you ever had an eight-month-old, you know, like, you just, okay, sounds good, okay? So they, they were doing it. So I was one of the people that was counting the laps of the people in the pool. And she was going back and forth really good. And on one of the laps, she decided, I'm going to do a flip turn, which is where you flip your body over, touch the wall, and push off. She does a flip turn, pushes off, and she immediately stops, and she looks like she would look like a ghost. Like, all the blood rushed to her face. I'm like, what happened? Are you Okay. She says, it flipped. I mean, I, I said, I know, you, you did a flip turn. She goes, no, 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 the baby flipped. Like, what? She said, when I did the flip turn, the baby stayed the same, and I flipped around, and now the baby is breech. Like, what? You're kidding. No joke. Went to the hospital. Baby is now breech. C-section, the whole nine yards. Like, it was crazy. The baby flipped inside her. And that's why I'm no longer in the business world at all. I don't want any part of that, Right? But babies do crazy things inside. They, they, they freak out. It's, it's one of those crazy moments. John did a flip inside Elizabeth at just the sound of Mary's voice and the virtual presence of Jesus in the room. Right? Look at what Elizabeth says in response to this, though. Look at verse 42. This is good stuff. Check it out. It says, In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has been believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Like, this is just amazing. Now, the word, for, the word here, this interesting word, they took my word. Uh, it was, um, it's this word leaped, right? Leaped in the Greek is actually this word which is skitero, skitero. In a second, what it means is skitero means leap or leap for joy. Now you're like, that doesn't really do much for me, Pastor B. I understand, okay? In a second, it's going to mean something here. What is surprising, though, is this word skitero is used three times in the entire Bible. 
twice in this interaction between Mary and Elizabeth, and once by Jesus. And it's the time with Jesus that's very, very, very powerful. And the time that he used it is kind of woven in this moment. Right after Jesus was up on this mountain, and he'd been praying all night and fasting all night, asking God, who are my 12 disciples supposed to be? Who's my tribe? Who am I supposed to be with? And in this awesome scene, Jesus comes off this mountain. And we're going to get to this joy part in a second. But there's this verse, verse 17, that I absolutely love this scene that's so important. It's verse 17. It says, he went down with them and stood on a level place. Now, I love that, especially at Christmas time. See, Jesus physically went down to his disciples on a level place. Jesus didn't stay up in heaven and bellow down to them. Jesus didn't stay up on the mountain amongst the clouds where we could hear him but not see him. No, no. Jesus came down from the mountain on a level place to be able to see them eye to eye. He chose to come down. If this isn't a Christmas verse, I don't know what is. Because that God chose to come down to us, to meet us on a level place so that he could show us how much he loves us and give us his grace through his son, Jesus Christ. That is so amazing. I hope that we can remember that at Christmas, that Jesus has come down to you and down to me so that he could know us intimately. But as Jesus stands eye to eye with them on that level place, Jesus says some very famous words in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 20. He says, looking at his disciples, love that, Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Jesus makes a point to say to these men, eye to eye, In this life, you might very well be poor, be hungry, be hated and and, and excluded and insulted and rejected. All of that. Now, why would you say that? How, How could you say that to a bunch of guys that you just asked to be on Team Jesus? You just handed out the letter jackets. They got their JC on it like they got everything. They're ready to roll. And you come out with this? But better yet, the better question is, why would that happen to them? Why would they be hungry? And why would they be poor? And why would they be rejected and excluded and all those other things? Why Why would that happen? And Jesus says, it's because you'll know me. Jesus says, it's because you're going to follow me. This is the uncomfortable and very un-t-shirt worthy truth of being a Christian that we don't often talk about. We just don't do a good job of it. It's the reality that as we follow Christ more, we will stand in stark opposition to everything that the world says is normal. And as people look at you and your desire to make Jesus your God instead of money or fame or success or athletics or whatever it might be, he says because of that, you're going to have some rough moments. Some really rough moments. Mary had these moments. And we talked all about them last week after this angel told her, oh, by the way, all this stuff is going to happen. Uh, the results of that was going to be that she would probably be ostracized, might have even been stoned to death, labeled an adulterer, possibly kicked out of her family forever, and the, the entire community would shun her out for the rest of her life. 
All for what? For what? For following God's plan. For believing that the baby that she carried inside her was exactly who that angel said. That this was Jesus, the Son of God, and she believed him. And by Jesus' own admission to Mary and to you and to me, he would say, this is going to be true. But Jesus wasn't done speaking. See, verse 23 tells us this. It says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, hey, if in this life you're having a rough time. And he would look at us and say, in this life, if you're having a rough time, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find joy in it. And I don't just want you to experience joy. What I want you to do is I want you to leap for joy. I want you to experience skitaro for joy. Like, I want you to feel that. That's the third time it's used. He says, I want you to feel that. Because the reason I want you to, to do that is because I want you to know that even though you're going through a rough time, listen, it's just the beginning when you're with me. Because greater things are coming. Greater things are coming. Now just think about this just for a second. The very same thing that John the Baptist did inside his mother, he instinctively knew to do as an unborn child, is what Jesus wants us to do as a born-again believer in him. Jesus says, leap for joy. Not because of the mess that you're in, but for the joy that is found in the life that is going to be coming. Because listen, I'm not sure if you're like me, but this life can be messy. Can be messy. And the mess can start to overwhelm you. Especially at Christmas. So for the past uh, four years or so, really longer than that, our whole married life, my wife and I have been FPUing our life. And that, what that means is FPU stands for Financial Peace University. It's a class that we offer here through Dave Ramsey. Nine-week program to allow you to, to get out of debt and to use God's money God's way. And so what we've been doing really for the past four years, like with Genzel Intensity, we've been paying off debt. We've been living strictly to a budget. We've been saving and saving and saving. And one of the things that we've been saving for is to remodel a portion of our house. This is a little remodel in our house. And we were able actually to start to do that a, a few months ago. And we had a great architect, a great designer, a great contract worker from the church here. Amazing experience. We are more blessed than you can imagine through this. But they warned us at the beginning. They warned us and they said, hey, listen, this is going to get messy and it's going to disrupt your life for a while. Now, my wife and I are both firstborn to type A plus people. So we heard that little phrase and we thought, <laughs> maybe for other people, but we got this. We didn't got this is what was the truth, okay? The reality was, is that they, as they did different parts of the project, we became more and more displaced in our own home. Literally having to eat in the garage at some points. Which I actually kind of enjoyed, thought it was fun, but it, for a while it got a little bit crazy. I remember that we had reached the peak of crazy though, when I overheard my daughter ask my wife one day, Hey mom, where are the plastic forks? Okay. To which my wife said, they are in the garage next to the plastic bin on top of the old toilet. Okay, like that's, that's when I knew we were off the rails and things had gone a little nutty, okay? 
But the truth was that in order to get to the final product that we wanted, we had to go through the mess. We had to go through the dust and the construction and the inconvenience and being displaced in order to get to the place we wanted to be at. So instead of complaining about it, my wife and I, from the very beginning, we just said, we are going to be joyful about this. We're going to consider it part of this blessing to even be able to do this. So my friends, here's the truth. Sometimes you go through the mess to get to the best. Right? Some, I think somebody over here needed to hear that, right? Sometimes you go through the mess to get to the best is what we're saying here, okay? And for some of you, that's exactly what God needed to tell you here today. Your marriage is a mess right now. Don't give up. The best is coming. You, you, you might hate your job and want to quit. Oh, don't quit. The best is coming. You're feeling defeated and depressed and anxious and you don't know which end is up. Don't give up. The best is coming. Okay? Sometimes you have to go through the mess to get to the best. Listen, Mary, she was in a mess, plain and simple. But how she handled it showed the greater focus on the bigger picture that was around her. But you know what I love? I love the method that she used to handle the mess that she was in. Because what Mary did is she sang. Woo! She sang. Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55, we get to read what's called Mary's Song. It's also called the Magnificat. Now, the reason they call that, it's because out of the first line of the song in the Latin, it's called Magnificat Anime Mea Dominum. Now, why would they call it that? Because it's way prettier than just calling it Mary's song. That's just where that's the truth, okay? But here, here's why I love the fact that Mary sang. Here's why I love it. Because as we've said, Mary, in the middle of one of the most stressful moments of her entire life, and when you're in the middle of stress, you have to find a way to deal with it. And some people deal with stress in all kinds of different ways. Some people eat golden Oreos to take the edge off. That's just what they do. Some people will, will have a glass of wine bottle of wine like whatever it takes to get the right some people will jog like Forrest Gump and they will go running and they just keep running but for other people they will sing music is their way of getting it out and, and I reached out to a, a friend of mine in the medical field and I said hey give me some interesting give me some stats on is this true he says it absolutely is true he says that there's a clinical trial that found if you listen to, to music 15 minutes before a stressful procedure your anxiety levels drop dramatically they found in over 10,000 groups that they had studied that 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 music helps with the effects of dementia and aging in cancer treatments music therapy is said to reduce heart rate blood pressure and the the, the pain felt after the treatment if you went through music therapy but guys listen you don't need stats to know that's true you don't need stats to know that. We've all done this. We've all sung a few hits in our day. You know those chart-topping hits, don't you? If these kids don't stop fighting, one of them's going to die. Right? Right? I can't believe they left the toilet seat down again. Woo! Right? You know that song. You know? Or how about this one? I can't stand my sister. I can't stand my mother. Come to think of it, I can't stand anybody by now. Right? You've heard those songs before. Because singing not only allows us to vent stress, but it also, check this, lets us vent praise. 
Let's just vent praise. There is nothing like singing to God that creates a connection between your soul and your heart. Mary gets this. Mary gets this. I think that she was singing so she could get some of that stress out of her heart. So that she could put some words to this unspoken burden that she was feeling. But I think she's also vocalizing what she knew was true about God. And about his character at the very same time. And I, I kind of wish that we could listen to somebody really good sing this song. You know what I'm saying? Like Adele. Like listen to Adele sing it, you know. Or, or Adina Menzel, you know. Into the unknown. Right, you know, just listen to her sing a little bit. Or Mariah Carey, you know. But no, no, no. But back in the day before auto-tune and all the tracks, you know what I'm saying? Like Mariah. Like original Mariah. Okay? Like we had Mariah. I'm not going to bring Mariah out. Like, I don't have that, you know, but I feel like if we had that, like, I think it would jump off the page, every crescendo, everything that we have, but I just think if we just read this, that we're going to really understand what Mary was going through. Again, we have to keep in mind, though, before we even read any of this song that she's about to sing, that she was in the middle of a difficult, difficult situation. Mary was still on the episode of MTV's Teen Mom. She totally was. And, and Elizabeth... She was on a pilot episode of TLC that was called, I went through menopause, but now I'm pregnant. Okay? Sponsored by the AARP. Like, that's just how, this is what's happening. This is the crazy scene. But yet they're still praising God. And it's a Christian song, so I'm sure it's set in the key of G, and Chris Tomlin will cover it. Like, I get it and everything, but this is what's happening. Right before Mary sings, we'll set that stage, thinking what this little girl, in the middle of the most stressful moment in her life, these are the words that she says. Look at verse 46. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary begins by giving credit where credit is due. Mary says, God, even though this is not how I drew it up, not how I thought my marriage would begin with Joseph, certainly not how I would have my first child, and I am scared to death, my soul is happy. I am joyful. I am filled with joy. And sometimes the best thing to do in the middle of a mess is just praise God. Just praise God. My, my, my friends, I want you to hear me say, hear, I want you to hear me say this, but I want you to hear what God's telling you. He wants you to take that problem, turn it into a praise. Take that mess into a message. Take that challenge into a chorus. Because it's easy to praise God when it's smooth sailing, storms have passed. I'll tell you what, it is hard to praise him in the middle of the storm. But that's when we should sing the loudest. In the middle of the storm. Now, you've been around Crossroads at all. You might have heard the name Jessica Morrison. Jessica is a girl that's battling cancer. And during one of our $5 challenges, where we just take $5, bring it together, and all of us work together, we try to bless somebody with it. During that $5 challenge, we paid off her cancer treatment. But I can tell you this, though. Things aren't all that good. Her tests aren't coming back great. And she is going through it. She's in the middle of a mess still. But I will tell you with 100%, with every post I read, every text message I get, every phone call I have with her, every conversation I have with her, she is joyful. She is praising God in the middle of the mess. And I look at her and I say, I wish I had a fraction of your faith. I wish I had a fraction of it because she is worshiping in the storm, Mary says, let's begin by saying, God, let me give you credit. Even in the middle of it, I'm going to praise you. But she continues. Look at verse 48. 
She says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, you, you might be tempted to read this and think, well, Mary, you're kind of arrogant there a little bit, girl. Like, you know, who says, I'm so blessed that the, all generations are going to be, well, look at me. Kind of a little braggy, isn't it, Mary? And listen, in some tradition, this is kind of where Mary gets elevated beyond where she's naturally supposed to be. But I think if we get stuck on the blessing, we miss out on the rest of what she just said. Because let's look really closer. She says, it's the mighty one. He has done great things. For me, holy is what? It's his name. Got nothing to do with Mary. It's got everything to do with the mighty one. He has done great things. Holy is his name. Our purpose, our meaning in life is not based on our ability to endure things, white knuckle things, create things ourselves. No, it is found in God and God alone. Christmas should always remind us of that because God sent his son to us. I, I, I don't know if you didn't know, we didn't grab Jesus and say, get down here right now. We couldn't do that. We couldn't do that. No, no, no. Instead, God willingly sent him to us for us. And not only did he come, he came bearing gifts. Look at what Mary says in verse 50. Verse 50, she says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Think about that. Word you just read from a 12 to 14 year old girl. And yet instead of asking God to give her power and influence and prestige and money, she says, no, no, no. God, I want to remind us all of what you have given us. Now, what's she referring to? Because she wasn't referring to Jesus yet, because Jesus was a bun in the of. Like, he was, that, that's what was happening. So who is Mary referring to? Wh who is she remembering? Well, we, we need to remember that Mary was Jewish. And that meant that she would have heard that about everything that God had done through the Hebrew Bible, through the Old Testament, through the Torah. And in those pages... She would have heard read in temple or had been passed down from her parents or grandparents. All the things that she knew that God had done. So she would have heard Exodus 34 that would have told her that he is merciful to people that don't deserve mercy time and time again. Proverbs 1 would have told her that we are to revere, we are to fear the Lord and, and as a result of that we gain wisdom. Deuteronomy 7 tells about the power to change generations to come through the power of God. Isaiah chapter 40 tells us of the powerful right arm of God himself. And in Genesis 11, we hear him speak of the Tower of Babel and how God scattered the people because of their pride. She knew this was true, so she couldn't help but sing about what she already knew. See, sometimes when you're in the middle of the mess, you have to remember what is true about God. What you know is true. Too many people, me included, forget everything God ever did in the middle of the mess. We brain dump it all. We brain dump all the blessings and all we think is, you have never been there for me. You're always gone. You've never come through. And Mary isn't going to let that happen. She's not going to let that happen. She's going to choose to remember the merciful, the reverent, the generational changer, mighty, powerful arm of God that parted the Red Sea, made the sun stand still, and is allowing her to be part of the greatest mission on the world has ever seen. That's what she's deciding to do. 
And guess what she's not even done? Verses 52 and 55, she says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So not only is Mary talking about all the things that have happened, but I believe that she's starting to understand and look forward to all the things that God will do through Jesus. Because of Jesus, one day the proud will fall and the humble will rise. The hungry will be full. The poor will be rich and the rich will be poor. Why? Because it's what he does. It's part of his eternal mission. It is the justice of Jesus. It's part of making all things new as Jesus fixes the mess that sin has created in our lives and in the world. Have you ever stopped to think that the mess that we have in our world is not due to politics or terrorism or racism or financial crisis, but it is due to sin? Sin is what has torn us away from God in every possible way. Sin causes relationships to sour over a simple misunderstanding. Sin causes marriages to crumble. Sin causes ignorance and racism to spew from the hearts of people. Sin causes us to think the worst in every situation. Sin causes us to turn Christmas into a Christless mess. Sin is the worst. And as sin enters more of our life, the more of a mess our life becomes. And because of sin, we need a Savior. All of us need a Savior. Listen carefully to me. You and I are not perfect. We are a mess because of our sin. And I hate to burst your bubble, but Mary, she was a sinner too. Her life was a mess long before that angel ever visited her. But what we should know is that she knows and that she sings and that what she wants us to know is that God is still on the throne. God still has a plan for her. God is not done with her. God is merciful and forgiving in his mighty right arm. And inside her was the solution to all the sin of the world. In Jesus, this baby Jesus was there to mop up the messy, sinful life of you and me and the entire world. That's why he came. And so I just wonder, as we look at Christmas, how many of us look at this as a season, look at this season with the same heart and the same highs as Mary? And I understand. There's no denying that Christmas brings up all kinds of tough things that we go through. In-law expectations and expensive taste by our kids. End-of-the-year work stresses. Complete sadness of the loss of loved ones. It brings it all. But what would it be like to worship Jesus even through the challenges we face? Are we the type of Christian that worships in the middle of the hard times? Or are we waiting for God to, to reveal that everything's okay before we start singing? Would you remember that in the middle of the mess is when Mary began to sing? In the middle of the mess she chose to sing. She chose to worship. She chose to have faith. She teaches us that perhaps the best songs are sung in the middle of the mess. So when are you singing? 
Are we singing when the waters are smooth or when the waves are choppy? Are we singing as Job would sing in verse 21 of chapter 1? The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Or are we waiting for the Lord just to give and not take? See, our Christmas may be completely different this year. If we finally realize that the best songs, <laughs> they're sung in the middle of a mess. That's when the best songs are sung. And so in a second, we're going to actually um, sing again, give you a chance to worship while we take communion here in a moment. And why this is so important for us to take communion today is because Jesus knows uh, a thing or two about messes. And that as we look at that cross, we should remind ourselves that that's a mess. It was a mess. Jesus, before he was even on the cross, was flogged brutally and should have died from just the infliction of those wounds alone and the blood loss and the trauma. If that wasn't enough, then a crown of thorns was forced onto his head, piercing even into his skull. He was forced to carry his crossbeam to Golgotha where he was then laid down and they nailed his hands and his feet to that cross in the most sensitive areas of your body. They hoisted him up for all to see, but for all of his weight to land on those nails, causing him to potentially suffocate to death. And the only way that they could gain any air was to push up off that nail on their feet, gain a little bit of air, and then slam back down in that painful, painful position. It was a mess. But that mess paled in comparison. That physical mess paled in comparison to the spiritual mess that was on that cross. Because when God saw Jesus, he saw every one of our mess, all the sin of the entire world, thrust upon Jesus, and that is what he saw. But the writer of Hebrews tells us that for the joy set before Jesus... He endured the cross, scorning his shame. And the joy that was set in front of him, that caused him to to leap for joy, what would cause him to take on all that mess? It was you. It was me. Because he knew that if he went through that mess, we wouldn't have to. And he could give us the very best of his grace. And through him, we could stand in front of God faultless and blameless and white as snow and God can look at us and say enter my rest and we can say it's only because of Jesus only because he took our mess that now I get the best and so at communion we get to remember that but also at communion we get to invite Jesus into our mess so in a second there's going to be trays that will pass in front of you there will be two cups in there bread in the bottom and juice in the top take them both out hold on to them. We'll come back together to commune. But as we do this, I want you to really ask, where's the mess in my life right now? I'm not foolish enough to think that the, the smiles and the handshakes that I'm doing just fines are true, that I know we all have stuff. We all have messes. But what would it look like to allow Jesus full access into that? To invite him into your mess? Because I don't know if you know this, but he already knows. But he's just waiting for an invitation to be a part of cleaning it up. So for those of us that know Jesus, that might be a great moment. But for those that don't,
This could be this moment, this time of communion where you accept Jesus for the first time and you stop cleaning up your own mess and you allow him to do it. And you can be free today. Because sometimes the best songs, they're sung in the middle of the mess. Let's pray. Mighty God and Father, I thank you for a moment just to pause and reflect on you. I thank you that you are a God that is never changing and that the words that Mary sung about you that we, have, that we read about in the Old Testament are certainly true now, that you are merciful, that you are forgiving, that you are mighty, that you scatter the proud. Lord, I thank you for those truths. But I also thank you that you sent Jesus to take on the mess of the cross so that we could receive the best in his grace. Right now, Father, if there's anyone here that knows you as Savior and has been keeping you from some messes, I pray that they would invite you into it so that they could finally feel what it's like to be clean. I know that there are marriages and addictions and, and problems that are here that they have tried to hide you from, but God, I pray they would let you in. But I also know today, in a room this size, that there are people here that have not accepted you as Savior. And I believe today that your spirit has worked and that they simply want to cry out and say, God, I am a sinner. I've made a mess of my life and I am terrible at trying to clean it up. I can't do it. But today I realize, Jesus, that you took on the mess of the cross so that I could be made clean and I want you in my life. Come in my life. Heal me from the inside out. Please, Jesus, be my savior. And in that moment, God, you say that if anyone claims your son as savior, confesses their sins, the old is gone, the new has come, and now they can receive the best in your grace. God, I pray that it would happen. But God, as we sing, may these words be an anthem to you, and may you hear our prayer. May you clean us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. My friends, would you stand to your feet and just know that all believers in Jesus, you're welcome to commune with us. Thank you for joining us this week online. We'd love to have you join us on campus if you can, but feel free to check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org or download our free Crossroads Grace app. These are great ways to connect with a member of our staff, find out what's going on around campus, or give if you feel led. You can also catch up on any other weeks if you missed any. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you have a great week. So